Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. So I'm curious from your perspective, how much do you feel like your students now are tied into like current events and the, the news cycle and all the, all the stuff that's sort of flying around in the air at all times, because you mentioned that one of the biggest things that they face more acutely is this fear and this anxiety. And I'm, I'm wondering just how much of that is driven by the fact that they're more aware of all these things that sort of we're not even allowed to forget about because the news just yeah. keeps bringing it up compared to I'm just assuming that maybe students weren't always as tied into that stuff as they are now because there was sort of a respite from that yeah. if you wanted there to be. And now that stuff just continues to get cycled back around in front of you and you can't really get yeah. away from it. Yeah, students are definitely bombarded right now with a lot of uh, stimuli, uh, a lot of a lot of stuff coming at them. Um, I think early on in my career, you know, I started in 96, you know, there was no Twitter, uh, internet was just coming online. And I feel like kids back then, um, had actually a greater sense, which is kind of counterintuitive of what's going on in the world because they, uh, drove in their cars with their parents and they listened to the radio. Uh, there was kind of the beginning of the 20, 24 hour news cycle was really just getting going and so they're, they had some more knowledge about things. You know, newspapers were more widespread. Today, you would think that students are much more informed, but I think that they're less informed. They're on Twitter, they're on Snapchat, and they're getting some information, but they're getting little snippets of things. They're not getting substance. They're not getting details. Um, or context. Or, or context, yeah. And, you know, there is some element of kids who are always going to be informed and who will cross-reference things. But, you know, a lot of times I'll start my class and I'll say, hey, what's going on? And it's it's really hard uh, to get kids to talk because, at least initially, because I feel like their sense of curiosity has been kind of knocked out of them, not just by the education system, but just because they're bombarded with so much stuff that they almost, almost don't need to be curious because things just come at them. And if they want to find something out, then, you know, I think that they'll seek it, but I don't know how deep down the rabbit hole they're going to go. And so I feel like I spend a lot of time sort of trying to unravel misconceptions or, or, or looking at news stories that they might bring up. Hey, I heard something on the news and they hear like 10 seconds of it. And then we have to go, no, that's what it is. Something else. Or let's go look and figure it out. And, and there's value in that for me as a teacher, because I tell my kids, look, you know, we'll, we'll get to whatever I have to cover, but this is your class. You're the consumer what is it you want to talk about? And when they finally buy that, then we can have some substantive conversations. But that's hard for them. And I'm not saying I'm the best or the example, but a lot of teachers aren't doing that. Um, and I really do think that curiosity is gone. Like I have a, I have an eight and a half year old daughter who asks me questions, just like you have kids who ask questions all the time. Like, why is the sky blue? And, you know, what's an airplane? And dad, let's learn about ping pong. But I have kids who are in high school who they don't ask questions. They just go, when's a test? Let me get out of here. And and I understand that. You know, it's very utilitarian. It's practical. But it's not 
seeking knowledge and curiosity. And I think we're built to learn those things and try and find stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's like you were saying, I think a lot of stuff can drive that. First of all, they've got, they've got bigger things to worry about, like finding their next meal and taking care of siblings who probably, you know, are are being undercared for in in, by parents maybe, or, or just, or even if parents aren't in the picture or at least one of them isn't, there's just a lot. Yeah. They have a lot more to worry about than I certainly did growing up. Like I look back at my high school experience and I just go, man, that was easy (laughs) compared to what like my students are are facing right now in youth. And they just, they have to, the, the, we used to talk hypothetically about Mm -hmm. stuff that's just like, it's passe to them because it's just, they're so exposed to it. It's not even, it doesn't even have shock value anymore. You know, I, I mean, kids do know stuff. They know who the president is but they don't know the mechanics of how a person becomes president. They may, you know, they don't really understand some of the partisan things. Some of them do. And, and those ones who speak up a lot in class, but there's a lot of kids who are just either oblivious or just apathetic, or or they just, they don't have the emotional energy to give to those things. And and I think that has some consequences that we're going to see ripple out in, in, in the culture. Yeah. Well, at any given point, I mean, based on the ages that you said, those same people are three to four years away from voting in national elections. Right. And, you know, and I think there's, there's, we, we might be on a swing where I think people are starting to care more motivations aside. I think it's a good thing when people care, but yeah, it's, I think it's just a symptom of kind of where we're at as a society. Like there, it's hard to engage with sort of more philosophical fluffy stuff sure. when you just life is hard. It just is. Yeah, and there's and a that, lot coming yeah. at you. Yeah. And th- those are the hard questions that kids can't always get to. And when students aren't not forced to think about difficult things and, th- and I'm not trying to diss anybody in education because I know my colleagues, we want kids to critically think we want, we give them primary sources. We give things that to get them to deal with, but it, it's just such a hard thing to pull them to it. I feel like when kids don't engage with these difficult questions, those philosophical questions, um, then that leads them open to be manipulated by individuals who uh, our founding fathers in our country uh, warned us against, you know, power hungry despots who are interested only in their own pockets and their own power. And, and then that's really dangerous for us individually and for us culturally. Yeah, for sure. So I want to shift gears just a little bit and I want to ask about your experience. So first of all, I want to know about your experience as a teacher and with your students and stuff, but I want to shift a little bit into asking about your experience and observations as a Christian Mm -hmm. and having a Christian worldview in an education system that for all practical purposes is increasingly anti-Christian in its values, in the curriculum that's being introduced, and then sort of the overall agenda that is starting to gain a lot more traction. So if you can talk about it, is there anything on the sort of faculty side of things, issues that you would deal with as a Christian that maybe other faculty members who aren't Christians don't really have to think about or navigate or deal with? Uh, My inclination is to say, yeah, there's something there. I feel like for me as a social studies teacher, and this is going to sound for people who are non-teachers, you might be like, I can't believe he said that. <laughs> uh, but I've told my student teachers this, many of them, um, we're not saving the world here. Uh, 
we're going to do the best we can. We're going to, you know, give these kids uh, our best effort. If we fail today, well, they're coming back tomorrow. So I've got a captive audience. And so for me, that's very freeing because I know that God's in control. Uh, and I know that sounds cliche, but it's it's true. It also happens to be true. Yes, it also happens to be true. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to give my best effort and operate in the strength of the Lord. And I'm not going to put too much stock into the professional development or the 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 worries or like we got to graduate all these kids or whatever. I'm going to do the best I can and leave the rest up to the Lord. Um, I tell my students and myself all the time I can control my attitude and I can control my effort, and that's about it. And uh, I think that perspective is something that definitely arises from my Christian worldview, because uh, obviously I know and trust that God's in control, and I also believe that He has gifted gifted me to be a teacher and uh, with the talents and abilities that I have if I'm trying to glorify and honor him then that's what I'm called to do as a teacher I'm looking also at not just what I'm teaching but I'm trying to look at students beyond what they are as students you know uh, as people who need the Lord and and honestly like this week and the last couple weeks uh, knowing that I'm going back to campus to be actually in front of live students uh, I started praying long before we got back that I would be a light to kids and that I would be a person who's not fearful, uh, that I would be a person who offers hope and uh, that I would also have a good attitude uh, because there's things that like to my core make me very upset about how things are going right now, uh, politically, economically, socially, you know, educationally. And I have to just kind of go, just let that be, you know, that's a daily battle for me. And so uh, as a Christian who is a teacher, I think I see what I do with a perspective that it's not the end of the world if a kid doesn't know everything that I've got going on here, because it's going to be all right in the end. <laughs>